0: Welcome back to Hitchcock Chronologically, the podcast where I, Jeff, go through Alfred Hitchcock's movies in chronological order. I don't know if I need to keep saying that. The podcast is called Hitchcock Chronologically. I think it speaks for itself, so... I'll be saying it next week, knowing me. So... I decided to do something different this week. Normally I take extensive notes. And so at the time of this recording, the day before the episode came out for the skin game. And when I listened back, I don't know, something was off about it. And, and Nomek friend of the podcast said it was fine. But for me, I was like, I don't know if I just felt more scatterbrained or what. So this time I decided not to sweat the details. Okay. I'm just going to watch the movie. I'm just going to enjoy it and then then record. And let's see what happens. This could be the worst episode yet. But fortunately, I didn't have to watch the worst movie yet. This movie comes to us from 1934. It is Waltzes from Vienna, also known as Strauss's Great Waltzes. But everywhere again, this is one of those double named movies. But everywhere I look, it's just called Waltzes from Vienna. That's what I'm going to call it. We're good. Uh, and this is a semi-historic movie. Uh, so uh, it, they don't really say in the movie. But based on the fact that the main character in this movie is Johann Strauss II. Who is an actual composer who was alive. And he was alive from 1825 to 1899. Uh... He's also known as Strauss Jr. or Strauss the Younger. Uh, we're going to probably go back and forth on what we call him probably the Younger because that's what the movie refers to him as. Uh, and the movie's about him and his relationship with his dad, who is Johann Strauss I, both of which are famous composers. Now, I I don't know how much of this is fictionalized because because this movie is about Strauss the younger becoming a composer and following the footsteps of his father and his dad not wanting him to. But from what I can tell, and I'm no historian, and I didn't really dig deep, but from what I can tell, that's just made up. Like if uh, most dads want their kids to follow in their footstep, unless they were like a drug runner. Okay. But I would figure if you're a composer and you've become famous and made a living being a composer, you wouldn't try to keep your kid from becoming a composer, which is what this movie is about. Our movie... Again, I didn't take notes. And I want to say I enjoyed the movie more, I think, because I didn't. I was able to just sit and watch it as opposed to stopping and documenting everyone's name. I've got IMDb pulled up here, and I'm going to use that. So along with the Strausses, elder and younger, we have uh, three other major players in this. Rezi Ebbe Zetter, who is Johan the Younger's love interest. And then we have Prince Gustav, who is married to Countess Helga von Stahl. Now, Helga, Countess Helga is an aspiring songwriter, I guess. She writes lyrics. No music, just lyrics. And she's written them out and she wants to see if she can get Strauss Sr. to produce them. But Strauss Senior's like, nah, I'm good. Do you know who I am? And I, these lyrics end up in the hands of Strauss the Younger, who decides to go ahead and come up with the music for it. And the music ends up being his famous waltz. This is what I'm talking about. know about you but that classical stuff be hitting for me i do like classical music i don't i'm not like a historian of it i don't uh, i couldn't tell you who wrote what piece outside of the super famous ones uh but in my car i have it on in the background because we have a really good local classical station i'll put it on when i'm working sometimes and i i do like it it's 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 good and that song is a classic. You've probably heard it. Certainly, uh, I've seen it in Looney Tune cartoons, and um, it, it's a good song, right? But this is the story of how that song came to be, in albeit what I think to be a pretty fictitious way. So, th- the story, again, is, is about a father and son, and... Uh, And I don't know if this is where the term came from, but Johann Strauss, the younger, plays second fiddle in the orchestra that his father, uh, what's the word, composes for and uh, conducts with, right? And after one of their practice sessions, he tells his dad that he's written a piece and his dad asks him to play it for him. And he plays it and then his dad and his staff laugh his son out of the building like this guy sucks (sighs) that's why i think it's kind of fictional because i just can't see someone who like anyway i just i just don't see someone having a kid who takes an interest in what they do professionally and telling them not to do it it's the, the the height of hypocrisy our mr strauss jr is dating another uh, he has a love interest and they are kind of dating kind of her name's rezi uh Ebed Zeder. um and she works for her dad in a bakery and she gets really jealous of the fact that johan jr is hanging out with the countess helga who is writing a song along with him, writing that song I played for you so much so that she puts pressure on him. You either give up your music or you give up me. You stop with this music thing and you start working for my dad's bakery. He even takes a tour of the bakery where through some dumb stuff, like some guy's throwing pretzels and he goes, plunk, plunk 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 and that's where he gets the idea for the tune and then someone's stirring like a dough machine and he's like oh that's the rhythm i need. it's dumb but anyway it apparently inspires him to write this song so after writing it with his uh the countess now i want to say this at first i'm like oh great we got a love triangle right we've been down this road and to a degree that's the case but it's not the main focus of the movie uh this Between the Countess and Johan the Younger, there isn't a lot of physical flirting. It doesn't really happen until later in the movie where he even starts to toy with not being with Desi. But for me, if she put an ultimatum on me, you give up your music or you give up me, I'm out. Who does she think she is? So they write this song, The Countess and Johan Jr. And they know it's a hit, right? They, they're like, this is great. And The Countess has like a uh, like a butler or possibly her dad, I don't know, uh, that decides in order to get this piece played, there is a big festival or dinner party or something happening. And Johan Sr. is going to play it. But what they decide to do is the old Countess's dad, we'll just assume it's her dad, goes to Johann Sr. and rewinds his watch so he'll be late. And then says, hey, I actually, the prince wants to see you. And they're having like a dance off, a dance party. And you need to come to this discotheque and play the music. And so Strauss Sr. does that and it delays him to the party. We're at the party now. And Johan Jr. has showed up and he is there just to say, hey, Desi, I've chosen you. I'm not going to do the music anymore. And I'm going to work this catering event that your dad is working, which happens to be the party that Johan Sr. is supposed to be playing at. This old crusty guy who works for the Countess has set it up too, where he's orchestrated and Practice this piece of music that Johan Jr. has written with the orchestra that's there ready to perform. And you constantly are hearing, Johan Sr.'s never been late from the orchestra. Where is he? What's going on? Uh, And the crowd starts to get restless and they start chanting, they want Johan. So through peer pressure, Johan Jr. says, okay, I'll go up and we'll perform the piece. So they perform, dup, 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 you know us song and they everybody stands up cheering it's great of course his dad walks in while this is happening right and he's pissed he's like because i thought maybe this would be like a disney thing where he sees his son's potential and he's like oh my gosh my son has surpassed me what a genius but he's not he's he's angry that someone has played with his orchestra instead of him that he's been manipulated by crusty old duck guy who set his watch back and he starts being upset at everyone he's upset as his son and his son's like i'm sorry i didn't mean to upset you they told me you were up you approved this they were clearly lying and uh, but he goes off right and johan jr is upset that his father has still now, even heard him perform and is still not approving of his work, and he runs home. While the Countess now let's let's put this back into perspective too. Johan Jr. is dating the baker's daughter, who has broken up with him now because she kind of she kept putting this ultimatum about his music in place. And here he is now at the same party where he said, I'm done performing music now he's performing music so she's fed up and she says she's done with him she even goes up to the countess and says you can have him i'm done so Johann jr goes home his dad's walking around chewing everybody out they uh, the 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 prince prince gustav is here talking about how everybody loved the music And he's taking credit for writing the lyrics, even though his wife did. And there were no lyrics actually played, but they were the words that inspired the song. And he gets word that she's ran off with Johan Jr. Because at one point she goes up to someone who's working the, uh, what do you call it? Working the catering and says, oh, he lives up the road. He's telling the countess this. So the countess goes there to talk with him because she's upset because he, feels bad and he feels like he's betrayed his father and so she goes up to apologize and actually start to put some of the moves on him okay because at this point now she's been told by johan himself that he's done with desi she's been told by desi that desi is done with johan so she's in the clear now to slide right into those dms so that's what she does she goes there and She apologizes for making him feel bad and getting him in trouble, and they flirt a bit. He kisses her hand, but that's about as far as it goes. But Prince Gustav hears that there's a rumor that she is in Johann's house with just Johan by herself and him, right? So... He's assuming the worst because there's a scene earlier where she's writing the lyrics and the lyrics are like a love song, right? It's like, I love no one more than you. And he gets jealous that someone that he's right. She's writing this to someone, even though they're married or whatever. He's a jealous guy. He's insecure. So he goes to find goose, uh, Johan Gustav does. And he goes to Johan's house and the countess hears him coming. So she hides in the bedroom And her scarf is there and they start having the fourth worst fight in cinema history. I really need somebody with editing skills to find these fight scenes and just super cut them because they're awful. But this one is particularly great because he go like the choreography in old fight scenes is so hilarious to me because it's slow. Like he reels up slowly and goes to punch Johan and instead of punching Johan, gustav punches the wall but it's so hilariously done and so slow that he has and he has an ample amount of time to stop punching and he doesn't he punches the wall anyway well a crowd has is is so, is so happy with the performance from Johan junior that they followed him home they start chanting his name and while this is happening, Countess has gone out the back window and walked around to the front and come up the stairs. So now the uh, jealousy from Prince Gustav is gone because he sees that she's coming up the stairs. So he sh- there's no way she could have been in the house. Desi comes back and apologizes. So they're back together now. And i am they don't really say, but I'm guessing that Strauss can keep doing his music. And be with Desi and she'll be okay. Because apparently this song has just blown everyone away. Okay. It's it's the crisscross jump jump of their day. And the final scene, which I really liked. And so they cut back to an empty area where the party was. Right. And the only person there is Johann Strauss, the older. And a fan asking for his autograph. He's gratefully signs the autograph Johann Strauss and closes the book and gives it back to her as she's walking away. He calls her back, opens the book and signs senior underneath his name and smiles and walks away as the lights are turned out at this party. It's a, I loved that scene. There's something about the way it was done. And even though his dad for the whole movie is like, annoyed with his son that mark of him writing senior in his book because he now knows his son is going to be famous as well and he needs to differentiate him is an effective piece of storytelling for me as someone who has a junior on their name now i don't know if it's because i didn't take notes but i really this movie is a, a buck 16 an hour and 16 minutes and it goes by at a nice clip uh even though there are a lot of scenes of dumb stuff, like there's uh, like some comedy that's in here about people yelling back and forth between rooms with some intermediary people making out in between. Like, I can't even describe that scene. There's just some of that fluff that kind of goes along with these Hitchcock's movies in the early days that just kind of doesn't need to be there. But then the movie would be 30 minutes as opposed to an hour 16, but it wasn't too much of it. And I enjoyed this movie. Now I last week said that the number 17 was my favorite movie so far. And I, I, I will say the number 17 is the only one I will probably go back and watch because it's bananas. I don't know that it's a better movie than the manix man. And I don't know that it's better than the skin game. And, and I don't know that it's better than this. This movie surprised me because I wasn't expecting anything at all. Now it says it's a musical and to a degree, I get that it has music in it, which was one of the things I think maybe worked for me was that there actually was a score. There's all this beautiful Strauss music playing throughout the movie as it goes along and there is this climax of the film where he's playing that piece that he's most well-known for. And music is so effective in storytelling. And if, if you heard me before the silent movies all had music with the exception of champagne And it helped the storytelling because it had to be there because there was no words. And then when the silent era ended, we stopped getting so much music in movies and just dialogue. This is one of the first ones that had both music and dialogue. And it made it a better movie. And being a movie about a composer, you would hope for that and expect that. So we'll see going forward if we can start to see more of that chilling music and those intense scenes. Like if you've ever seen Psycho you know, how music can be effective, uh, which, you know, we'll get to that one at some point, but this is, uh, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna kind of retcon myself. I still think X Man is my favorite, but I'm not going to watch it again. Number 17 is my favorite still. Cause I'm going to watch it again. It's bananas and it's weird and stupid and funny and bizarre and dumb. All right. So with that said, We are looking forward. So this was kind of, this movie represented another end of an era for me, right? Because of, you know, there was the silent era, and then there was this block of movies that I've never heard of, right? I'm A mild Hitchcock viewer. I've seen his famous works, but I've never heard of any of these movies I've just reviewed. But I've heard of the next one. It's called The Man Who Knew Too Much. It runs for an hour and 15 and came out in 1934. Now, you might say to yourself, who, Jeff, I've heard of that. We're finally getting to the goods. Here's the problem, friends. This one, this movie, The Man Who Knew Too Much, Hitchcock hated so much that he remade it decades later with Jimmy Stewart. This movie is might not be good, but that being said, We start to get in after Strauss's great waltz, we start to get into these early hits, or maybe they're just early movies that have grown in acclaim. Now that, uh, you know, once Hitchcock became famous for his movies, these are the ones that people went back to and said, oh, he was good here. Because we're going to start getting into some notable titles that I've, I've heard of before, but maybe are not as familiar with. Uh, but first, got to get through the first... T- this is the only movie we're going to review twice, sort of. Kind of. Because we're going to go through the 1934 version of The Man Who Knew Too Much, directed by Alfred Hitchcock. And then way down the road, in 1956, he directs the movie again, The Man Who Knew Too Much. So, that one's still a ways in the distance. Uh, but we'll definitely go back and compare these two. So, this movie is I want to say on HBO max. Yeah. This version is on HBO max. And, uh, remember we're watching the 1934 version if you are looking for it. So, uh, thanks for listening and I'll catch you on the next one.